0: Open up the book of Daniel. Book of Daniel. I said tricky truck trading, and I got that from Mary Cantrell, those of you who know that. So, anyways, <laughs> tricky truck trading. Uh, picture yourself as Vladimir Putin, Gigi Ping. I don't know if that's the way to say that, but I'm doing my best. Joe Biden. Or Donald Trump. Or maybe it's just yourself. And you think about uh, how great you are today. Uh, if you're a great leader of a great country, uh, significant, powerful, uh, money, and people serving you. And you look around and you go, man, I'm great. I am great. I, I am in charge. And you, and you look at your greatness by different things. How much you have. How many people jump when you say jump? Uh, how many people fear you? How many people follow you? And what the future holds. But at the end of the day, you have to ask the question, what will become of my kingdom after I'm gone? What will happen after I'm gone? And that's a fearful thing, isn't it? You know, uh, Some of you want to control what will happen after you're gone. And I want to tell you, you can't. You can suggest. You can uh, set up things in a certain way. But what comes after you is out of your control. Uh, In college, I got to travel uh, to Russia. And uh, you'd go to certain places. And this was just after the wall came down. um, And I believe it was 1991. And. um, One of the things they had in Moscow, especially, they would have places where you could buy different um, artifacts and stuff like that, uh, trinkets and stuff. One of the things that they were very famous for, you've probably seen them, uh, are those Russian dolls, right? Those Russian dolls, the Babushka dolls or Russian tea dolls, whatever you call them. There's a bunch of different names for them. But the ones that I found most interesting were the leaders of Russia, and they would have at that time it was Gorbachev, he was the uh, largest doll, and then it would go down and down and down and down, and I thought that was so funny like that that cracked me up uh, because it represented for uh, Russia their history of what You know, this doll represented his reign, mostly reign of terror most of the time, but anyways, the reign of these Russian leaders. And I thought, what a picture uh, that one engulfs the next, engulfs the next, engulfs the next, and it continues on. And It was many years ago, and so there are more dolls in the set. Um, As we think of this this morning, I want to ask you, What will become of your greatness? What will become of it? The things that you have set up, the things that you have loved, the things that you have succeeded in, the the things that you have built. Um, I think uh, uh, building things is pretty fun when it's successful, right? There's plenty of half-done projects in my garage that I gave up because uh, they weren't coming out that good right firewood mostly you know <laughs> becomes firewood after time but what will become of your success what will happen after you're gone what will the next person do with what you have created the successes that you've had that's the that's the the challenge for nebuchadnezzar the leader of Of Babylon today, as we look at his dream uh, that we began looking at last week. Uh, So, if you turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2, I'd like to read to you, starting in verse 31. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, God's word says this in verse 31. I'm sorry, is it? Is it getting a little confused here. Okay, there we go. Verse 31. Uh, then you saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and exceedingly bright, and exceedingly brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was uh, of fine gold, and its chest and arms of silver its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut, was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image of its, on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Then the iron, uh, the clay, the bronze and the silver and the gold. Altogether were broken in pieces and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone struck the image, became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell you, the king, its interpretation. You, O king... The king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of heaven, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold." Verse 39, another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet uh, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these things. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, but, but some of the firmness of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. And as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so that uh, they will mix with one another in marriage, But they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall that kingdom be left to another. It shall break in pieces all the kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that stone that was cut from a mountain by no human hand and that it broke in pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay and the silver and gold. A great God has made known to the King. What shall be after this? The dream is certain. The interpretation is pure. Sure. I'm sorry. God, thank you for this section of scripture. Help us to learn, help us to be thrilled at what is to come and detached uh, from the things of this world. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So last week, we looked at Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Uh, he had a dream that uh, terrified him, the great king, conqueror, the really the most magnificent king of all the earth at that time. Uh <laughs> He was terrified, and so he gathered his smart guys and said, you need to tell me what the dream is. And they, of course, they couldn't do that. And he said, well, I'm going to tear you apart. I'm going uh, to rip you limb from limb. And uh, Daniel interjects himself into the uh, situation so that he would uh, pray to his God, and God would reveal to him uh, what... It was the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had and now the interpretation. And that's what we're going to look at today. And and as we look at this, I I just want to tell you that God wants us to learn from Nebuchadnezzar's dream. As you look at scripture, you, you want to look at it in a certain way of this. First of all, you always want to see what's God like in this passage? What is he like? What does he teach us about himself? What does he reveal to us about himself as we look at his word? What do we learn about God? Secondly, uh, what does God want to do in me? How does he want to transform me? How does he want to change me? Uh, This is just, I I, I say just a story. It's not really a story as as much as it is a history of what has happened. Exactly what has happened. But as we look at this, how does God want to change you? because of this history, this history that was long ago, this history that we aren't really all that connected to. But as we look at it, we can definitely be changed. Uh, And so be mindful of that as we look at this. And really also to be able to say, what does this have to do with today? Um, As we look at uh, today it definitely has plenty to say about today, but don't connect too much, okay? Um, and try to figure out who is Nebuchadnezzar in the story and uh, the story today. So, anyways, I have a few things. We're going to start talking about the dream of the great, great image. The dream of the great image. In verse thirty-one, uh, you see that that. The king uh, had a dream, and and this first section here is Daniel doing the miraculous thing of knowing Nebuchadnezzar's dream before he told him the dream, right? Remember, if you connect to last week, the big thing that Nebuchadnezzar wanted, he didn't just want to know the interpretation of his dream. He wanted these smart guys and or Daniel uh, to be able to tell him what the dream was and show Uh, that he had uh, amazing powers. And Daniel rejected this this idea of amazing powers, but he did say, I have an amazing God, a God that's over that can help me and has helped me with this. So now Daniel is sharing with the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, about his dream. And he says this about his dream. He says, Uh, a great image you're gonna there's a great image in your dream that's what you saw king this image mighty and exceedingly brightness uh, stood before you in appearance was frightening and you get this picture that this image with this is probably what bothered him right Uh, that it was awesome and the word awesome really a word awesome the idea that it makes as you see it it causes you fear because of its greatness And so he talks about bright and the strength and the exceedingly so and so much so that he was trembling. And when you're trembling at something in your dreams, chances are when you awake, you'll still be trembling, right? You'll be going, man, that freaked me out. And that's where he was, not probably just for a moment, but as uh, he had struggled with that, um, you know, which drew him to call his smart guys and eventually talk to Daniel about this. So you have this awesome image um Stan, if you could pull that image uh this is a cartoon image of possibly what it might have looked like uh thanks mom uh we uh yeah uh we'll, we won't go through all this. This is a little bit more detailed uh than we want to look at, but that's kind of the gist of where he's going to go uh with this image and uh, if you could just leave that up here up there as I go through it. It's important. Verse 32, he really goes from top to bottom, from gold to clay uh, of this image. And he said, the head of this image was fine gold, fine gold. Um, That's the first section. It's chest and arms of silver. It's middle and thigh of bronze. Um, I believe other translations say brass, but you know, it's, it's, I think the, the issue here is going down and gold being the mo- most valuable silver and then something less than. Verse 33, it's legs of iron, it's feet partly of iron and partly of clay. Okay, and so you get first is gold, second is chest and arms of silver, third is the middle and thighs of bronze, fourth is legs of iron with feet and iron the feet being iron and clay. In verse 34, it tells us this. So, so that's the image, what it looks like. The, verse 34 says this. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand. A stone. Now, uh, you see this image, and apart from this image is this stone. And it doesn't tell us much about the stone other than this. It's not from humans, it's not made by humans, and to Nebuchadnezzar, obviously he was a builder. Uh, is one of the things that we're going to find out. He was a builder. He was uh, he was known for both conquering, but also for building. And so, for him, uh, when you think of something that uh, cut of stone or whatever, you say, "Well, who who made it? What what was this this other piece?" Uh, and what we know about it is very little. But it says this: cut out by no human hand. It wasn't connected with humans. And it says this in the middle of verse 34, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces, okay? Remember, this is just him telling the dream, not telling what it means, okay? And so we'll get back to this probably next week, actually. Um, Struck the feet into pieces. Verse 35, then the iron, the clay... The bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken into pieces. And, and so he, he comes down, he starts out describing from gold down to clay. And now he's going from clay up to gold, all destroyed. This is destroyed. And this is what has happened in this dream. This awesome image that was, caused him you know, terror and fear is now destroyed. And it says this is broken into pieces and became like chaff of the summer threshing floor, and the wind carried them away so that there was not a trace of them that could be found. Most of you know the whole picture of chaff, but if you don't, it's the idea that, you know, as they're grinding. Um, Wheat, and as they grind it, they're grinding out all that that doesn't matter, the stuff of the outward thing. And as they would get down to that which was important, that would blow away the stuff that wouldn't, and they'd shake it, and they'd continue to get this stuff out of there. And he's saying this of the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, the clay, it all blows away. That's the picture here, uh, the picture of the dream. Uh, And he pictures chaff uh, on the threshing floor, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. Not a trace. Pretty dramatic. Then he turns back to the stone. He says, But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. The destroying stone became a great mountain and filled the earth. Okay, this is the dream. That, that's the dream that, that God gave to Nebuchadnezzar. I just want to say this. <clears throat> I find it fascinating that God gave a dream about the future to a king that was not his own. Isn't that fascinating? Like when you think of prophecy, when you think of God speaking uh, you mostly think of him speaking to his people, right? To his people. And uh, another unique thing about the book of Daniel is you have uh, God speaking to, to Nebuchadnezzar, but causing Daniel to get involved in this interpretation and, and really giving the, the prophecy. Uh, God gives a prophecy to Daniel, but also uh, to Nebuchadnezzar and for us here today. So it's very fascinating. Um, Need to think more about that in the weeks to come. So, verse 36, we now have the interpretation of the dream. This was the dream uh, that he had, okay? Um, and he says, now we will tell the king its interpretation. Uh, he having already uh, determined that he, I can imagine Nebuchadnezzar being freaked out just at this time, right? Because Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, It wasn't, you know, he knew that he was being ridiculous. He knew it, and it didn't bother him at all. In fact, we'll see him act ridiculous again and again and again. Uh, It wasn't something where he felt like he had to hold it together because he was the king. But this man uh, jumped into his dreams. Daniel knew what was going on in his head. And that must have been uh, another piece of terrifying evidence that Nebuchadnezzar wasn't as great as he thought he was. So we look down at verse 36. This was the dream. Uh, Daniel says, now we will tell the king its interpretation. And so we start, uh, Stan, if you want to go to the next uh, slide. Uh, The head of gold, okay? Verse 37, he says, you, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory. And into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, making you rule over them. You are the head of gold. What an amazing picture for Nebuchadnezzar. And, and know this, that Nebuchadnezzar thought he was great. Like, there was no question about that. Before he went to bed that night, he thought he was great. And when he woke up the next morning, he was terrified, but he was talking himself through it, right? He, no, I'm great. I'm the king. I'm the king overall. all. Um, and the, there's this interesting thing that I see here that God told Nebuchadnezzar, you are the greatest. You are the greatest. You, you look at that, and it almost seems blasphemous, what Daniel told him about this head of gold. He says, king of kings, the God of heaven, uh, the God of heaven, interesting, right after that, verse 37, to whom the God of heaven has given, okay? Know know this, that in this passage, as with before these passages, he's pointing out things that are great, but he says, remember, God gave those to you. And I want to say this, Uh, Know this about every ruler, every ruler, every position of power, every king. uh, God has intended that. Whether they acknowledge it or not, whether they walk in fear of that power or not, uh, this is part of God's plan. And I want to tell you that even in these last years, uh, really in my whole lifetime, as I've thought of uh, where our country is going you wonder, you wonder, God, why, why would you do this? Why would you allow this to happen? Why, why would you not, uh, you know, uh, choose the person that I would choose? Uh, why wouldn't you agree with me, God? Um, and there's an obvious answer to that because he doesn't want to agree with us. He wants to do what's right in his own eyes that we might follow in with his plan. Um. And so you know things can get chaotic down here, and they do and they and they do uh, we not We may not be used to that, but nonetheless uh that's what happens and so uh you you have this section where uh Daniel is interpreting the dream, and he basically says, "Nebuchadnezzar, you are great, and you are great over a, a huge conquered." Kingdom that you have over the people, but also over all the animals. And you have it all. You have it all. You are that gold head there, Nebuchadnezzar. Given by God, but you are the one. I, I think that's fascinating. Verse um, End of verse 37, or middle of verse 37. To whom God, the God of heaven has given, but then... Um, At the end of verse 38, he says, making you ruler of them all, you are the head of gold. So Nebuchadnezzar, you've had great success. It's been given by God. You are the head of gold of this image. And so he moves on to the second portion, the second portion. He's moving down in this image uh, to the, the chest and the arms of silver And he says, another kingdom inferior to you shall rise after you, okay? Another kingdom is gonna come after you. And uh, I would say this is is part of this, this question that we have. We have great success. Will the success that we have or the things that we have done, will it last forever? What will happen after we are here? And Nebuchadnezzar is told what will happen is that there's another kingdom coming after him. The chest of arms, and he says, another ki- kingdom inferior to you shall rise after you. Uh, he probably liked that word inferior, right? will not be as great as you. But if you're thinking in terms of legacy, right, you would wish that it would be greater than you, right, that you would, it would carry on. And we'll get into the specific kings in these next chapters of who comes after. But as we know from history, and this is this is a fascinating thing too, Nebuchadnezzar was living the, the gold head of the image, right? That was him. That was his present day. And then it moves on to stuff that he didn't know about. But I want to tell you that we know from history probably what these kingdoms are. This is probably the Medes and the Persians, the, the Medo-Persian kingdom. Cyrus the Great, he... Uh, if you study Cyrus the Great much like much like uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he was a conqueror, and he conquered uh, medo, that area there it 's interesting this area that we 're talking about is Iran, Iraq, and then to the north and to the south into Africa. Um, this is what we get that empire, and that was Cyrus the Great and it says this that from history we know that he took these uh, these conquering lands and they blended them into one just as Nebuchadnezzar did. Nebuchadnezzar was a little bit more central in his power that it was Babylon. That's, that's where he was and that's where he called everyone to serve. We don't get much about the second and third um, section of the great image. We can move on to the next slide, uh, Stan. Um. The third image, uh, the, or the third section, middle and the thighs are bronze or brass. Uh, we see as the Greek uh, kingdom, kingdom. And as we go through this, we realize this is coming closer to who we are, closer to who we are, and really the last one being Rome. Once again, we don't have um, much about this next section. A- Alexander the Great, uh, we see the Gre- Greece um, the Greek empire and what they were known for. Actually, it's interesting as you study that they were actually has had more land than Nebuchadnezzar, more land uh, than Cyrus the great. Um, And yet it says this, that uh, of this third, third uh, section or this third kingdom uh, shall rule over all the earth. All the earth. And these kingdoms, what you need to get a picture of, and it's different than it is today. Uh, there's no nation right now that rules over all the earth. Uh, we have superpowers, but we don't have uh, kingdoms that are, are sprawling out over the known world with things beyond them that are insignificant. Okay, we have superpowers. And so it's a little bit different uh, in this time and in this interpretation of this dream. Um, more land uh, is, is what is marked by the third kingdom. And especially as you study this, you see it moving to the north and also into northern Africa to the south. Okay, so that's the, the third section, the third kingdom, as you come down this great image. Which brings us to the fourth, the iron legs, the iron legs. As we look at the iron legs, uh, we see this being the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire. It says, uh, verse 40, it says, And there shall be a fourth kingdom, a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. As you consider what the Romans did, they were famous for destruction, right? Uh, Iron is not known to be the beauty of gold, silver, or bronze, but it is known to be the strength of... I mean, you make swords out of uh, iron and knives and 22s and stuff like that. You know, th- these are the things where when you want something that's going to last and do some destruction, this is what you use, iron. And so a- as we see this, we see the the Roman Empire being one that crushes and shatters all things. Um, it crushes and uh, it breaks and, and brings these to ruin. That was the way that the Roman Empire came about. It destroyed and then rebuilt. The Roman Empire was known for its strength uh, because uh, like the others, but maybe even more bloody and more destructive, it went about conquering. The Romans were also known for their great government and infrastructure. They figured out how to build roads and how to organize things. Uh, It says as we go on, that uh, this, uh, let me look at it. It's down in verse 41. The verses following there. Uh, in 41, and I, I saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron. It shall be a divided kingdom. We'll get into this more specifically next week. But this, this combining with clay. Now, when you think of clay, first of all, clay is moldable, right? But the picture here is, when you mold clay, after a while, it is no longer moldable. It's, it's useful, it's hard, but it's not hard like iron. It's brittle, right? A clay pot uh, is great until you drop it, right? And then it becomes something else, right? It becomes a pile of rubble. As you think through, and we can talk about this in the weeks to come, part of the downfall of the Roman Empire was not something from the outside, it was something from the inside. Uh, it was their morality and their their personal failings, their idleness, their love of luxury, uh, much like us today. well um, we 're kind of going to uh, stop there, but I want to give you a summary of the next kingdom, the summary, and this is the exciting part I, I, I want to there's much more to say about this, and so we're going to drag it out one more week. I, I want to go fast, but I don't want to miss anything. And so i giving you an overview of this interpretation of the dream. And then next week, we're really going to focus on that last section, the, the the fourth kingdom, and then this fifth kingdom right here, um, the or we could say the last kingdom. As you look at uh, down at the Scripture, Verse 41, actually verse 42. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. Um, verse 43, as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will be mixed with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And then it says this, verse 44. This is so awesome. And in the in the days of those kings, the God of heaven Will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall uh, break into pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that stone that was cut from the mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in the pieces of iron the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made this known to you, king, that this dream, this dream is certain and the interpretation is sure. Know this, that as he goes through these kingdoms, uh, a great one, in Nebuchadnezzar, and one that is lesser after that, and then one that has great land after that, and then one that crushes great things, and then there's this other one, there's this other one, that Daniel wants to focus on and describe and remind and let the people know, the kings and kingdoms, the people, the both great and small, that there's another kingdom coming. And it will not be like any of those other kingdoms. It will uh, destroy those other kingdoms. It will last forever. And so we really want to take time to look at that, those verses Uh, Really, 40 uh, through 45 next week, and even finishing out the chapter. Once again, uh, Daniel reminds Nebuchadnezzar, as he had uh, shown before, shown before with the eating of vegetables and water and being able to uh, learn great knowledge, that all came from God. That all came from God. And as he told Nebuchadnezzar, Hey, I can do your dream, but this isn't about me. It's about my great God. Once again, what does he now say to Nebuchadnezzar? Uh, He says, a great God has made known to you, O king. What shall be after this? A great God. You you can't figure out what's going to happen next. Nobody can. But this great God whom I serve, Daniel's God, um, this is the one that Nebuchadnezzar needs. I have some questions that uh, will be helpful, hopefully will be helpful for us this morning as we think through uh, what it is that that we do with this. As you know, we don't know Nebuchadnezzar, We're, we're looking at these kingdoms, it looks like a big history lesson and it is, but what are the questions for us this morning? What are the things that will help transform our lives? What are the things that we should be thinking of? I have three questions for you. The, the first question is this, how long will the present king, whoever that is, and this kingdom that I'm living in now last? Uh, we've gone through an election and it's still a little dicey out there, right? <laughs> Things have not quieted down. Uh, I hope you, you know, I was thinking about what, when I was growing up, they used to have soap operas because people needed more drama in their life. I mean, there were there were there were bunches of them, right? There were four or five of one. You could switch channels and you could catch this one and that one. And they were a big deal. They've kind of gone away. You know why? We have politics. <laughs> why, why do you need soap operas when we have politics, you know? Why do you need any more drama in your life? There's a drama in the world, right? Uh, I want to tell you that um, sometimes we get lost, and I, I'm, I'm confessing to you as I say this, sometimes we get lost in the here and now. This is the president. No, this is the president. I don't know who the president is, right? Who's the president? And how long? How long? Uh, thankfully, maybe they... Uh, Founders, you know, they read the scripture and they realized that you should only be king for eight years, right? Uh, <laughs> need to get him out, you know, if the king's too long, uh, it's, it's something, right? But but how long, how long will this present leader last? And more importantly, how long will the kingdom last? It's interesting that um, in in this passage, in this dream, uh, that God identified Nebuchadnezzar, but not the other leaders. You get that? He identified the leader as the golden head, uh, and he was the leader of his kingdom. But the rest, he just you know, talked in generalities about the kingdom that was. I, I want to tell you that uh, kings go away. Leaders go away. That eventually, they're gone. But also kingdoms, great nations, uh, we, we sang today uh, in a, on the themes of the book of Daniel, uh, nations rise and fall, nations rise and fall. And I want to tell you, I want to encourage you uh, to, to think about the, that this kingdom won't, what we're living in right now won't last. It, it's not, uh, it will last for a while and then it won't. And it might be in our lifetime. I don't know. But but this idea that we are part of an eternal kingdom uh, being part of the nation of the United States isn't true. And uh, if we love the leader or if we hate the leader, I want to tell you that leader will too pass away. Um, so, so to think about the, the temporary nature of kings and kingdoms, I think that's helpful for us. Um, we think of them as great and even sometimes as a savior But know this, that they're temporary in nature. That was the point of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, that that there was gonna be him, and then after him, and then after them, and then after them. But then after them. And so know that it's temporary. How long will this king and kingdom last? Number two, question number two, concluding questions. Whose kingdom are you loyal to? Whose kingdom are you loyal to? Are you kingdom? To, are you loyal to your kingdom? Is that how you make decisions? Most important, you know, one that I listen to is me, and the kingdom that I'm building, the kingdom that I'm loyal to, is myself. Are you loyal to your kingdom? Are you loyal to their kingdom? Meaning, some king, some king. It's it's fascinating. Uh, you know, you look right now and. Uh, You you see Vladimir Putin, you see Xi, can't say it, Xi Jinping, I believe. I wasn't trying to be funny, I just can't say it. Um, You you look at President Trump, President Biden, like if you look to that and you say, this is what I'm living for, this is who I'm living for, this is my whole world. Or is it yourself? Uh, Are those the ones you are loyal to? And then lastly, the question, will you seek your greatness or his? Will you seek your greatness or his? As we look at this uh, challenging um, dream to Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he is struggling and we're going to see him continue struggling. And I I uh, want to tell you, one of the questions that I'm thinking about for the weeks to come is will Nebuchadnezzar be in heaven? Will Nebuchadnezzar be in heaven? Because he has some amazing moments in the book of Daniel and some pretty low, dumb, uh, narcissistic, godlike things as well. And so I, I may not come to a conclusion, but I, I want you to know this that God uh, was challenging Nebuchadnezzar's. Throne He was challenging him as king, he was challenging him and revealing and humbling him. You know the great king was terrified of his dreams, right He sounds more like a three year old than he does that a king <laughs> wakes up terrified right and yet uh, God acknowledged that there was greatness to what he his leadership, and yet there was a kingdom coming uh, that would be greater to his and so for us here this morning. The question being, will we seek our greatness or will we seek his? Will we see ourselves as one who's not king, not queen, but a subject of the most high God? Or will we see and fill our days with seeking our own greatness and the greatness of our family? God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time where we could look at your word. Uh, God, I ask that you would guide our steps. I thank you uh, for the the record of King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel's uh, your servant servant uh, as Nebuchadnezzar, the servant of the Most High God. Uh, God, you are the Most High God, and Daniel was your servant. May we be like that, in the sense that we just want to serve you. We want to be your hands and feet. We want to go about uh, sharing your message uh, to the people you you give us opportunity with. God, thank you for your church. Help us to walk uh, in faith in the days to come. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.